Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Lana Vienna Street podcast. My name is Tom Jenkins, and I'm once again joined by my very own dynamic duo, James Jarvis and Will Jones. I hope in recent weeks you've all enjoyed listening to our special podcast episodes with numerous former players as much as we've enjoyed recording them for you. I'm pleased to say that we're yet again fortunate enough to bring you another special guest on today's show, episode 141. He is now a retired central midfield general who was instrumental in our survival in the uh, championship survival season 2017-18. Please welcome Carl Henry. Carl, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. How have you been keeping whilst being stuck at home? Um, hi, how are you all doing? Um, I'm, uh, I've been coping all right. Um, it's retirement is, um, has prepared me well for this, for, uh, for lock, the lockdown. So, um, it's uh, like everybody else, I'm getting through it day to day and, um, and, and hoping and, and praying that everybody I, I, I know is, is safe and sound. Yeah, absolutely. You, you said off air that, um, you've obviously been keeping quite busy during this time. What, what kind of things have you been up to? Um, well, we've, uh, we've got two boys. I've got, uh, two boys, seven and four. Uh, All right. so we've <laughs> been doing the, yeah, it's been, they're, they're hard work on eight children, but, uh, it's been brilliant having them, them at home. We've been doing, um, my wife's mainly doing, she's doing the bulk of the homeschooling and I'm giving them, they've got a, a daddy's football coaching session, 11 till 1230 every day that okay. they've already, they already hate <laughs> um, so it started, started well for the first few weeks and, and now they're kind of hiding every time I come in but um, anyway as, as I've been doing a few other bits as well I've been, I've been doing some fundraising for, uh, for Wolves Hospital in, uh, in, in Wolverhampton where I was born um, so we've been uh, we've, yeah I've, I've been busy busy with that as well um, so, so yeah and, and I also have a business um, as well so it's been uh, it's been really busy but, but, uh, but good nonetheless I'm sure it's been helpful to sort of help take your mind off off things that have been going on. I noticed the uh, the auctions for old uh, Wolves players shirts, isn't it, that you've been uh, doing on Twitter? Yeah, I, um, I I think like everybody, I, I wanted to do something, um, and I, I I had the idea to try and get a group of former players together and and see if we could um, donate to a fund. I, I created a, a a just giving page. Um, and the, the local hospital in Wolverhampton, where I was born, um, were trying to raise funds to extend uh, their facilities um, in the fight against coronavirus. And um, uh, we've been, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we had a target. I set a target of 50,000. Um, and we're, we're very, very close. So, um, yeah, we're not far off, off achieving that. So, um, that'd be, yeah, something, something good that, um, we've, we've all done a lot of the former players have got involved and, um, mm -hmm. I think like everybody, there's been a great sense of uh, community spirit, hasn't there with, with all this. And I've said it on a number of occasions. I think it's definitely the silver lining of what's going on at the moment. Um, just seeing how many people are, are trying to help others and, you know, just how many selfless selfless acts of kindness there have, there have been around the country. As you say, I, th I think you're right. I think it has been a silver lining, the sort of community spirit that's been shown from people all around the country, really, to try and combat this problem. And like I said, I, w I wish you all the best and hopefully we'll be able to get you over that target, maybe with the uh, added publicity that you get from this. And I'd encourage uh, any Bolton fans listening out here to get involved, it, even despite there might be uh, some kind of animosity between Bolton and Wolves fans uh, given what has happened over the course of the years, I'd encourage them more to support it. Obviously, you're a Wolverhampton lad, Carl. Uh, is that rivalry made more of by one side or the other? Did you sort of feel that growing up as a, as a Wolf supporter? Um, 
do you know what? I, I think n- not so much. I think the main, um, it, obviously for, for for your your local rivals. I, I know with uh, up there with with uh, Preston and Blackburn, things are fierce. Blackburn obviously being the main one, but uh, but here Wolves and and West Bromwich Albion were the were, were that, that was the big game. Um, um, always and 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 probably you know probably will be as well. But certain certain rivalries are always they're always great. They always add to the atmosphere and and make for a better game, don't they? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it plays into your hands as well. With uh, your style, sort of combative player is always at the forefront in a derby match. Um, yeah, for sure. I think as a as a player, you get um, they certainly you, you, if you're not if you can't get up for it for a derby match, I don't think you ever ever can. But um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I certainly love those games. I thrived on those, on, on those sort of atmospheres. And and sometimes you go overboard with it as well and you probably get yourself too bit too worked up and um, end up probably wasting all your energy before the game, you know, <laughs> trying to motivate just about everybody. And I've, I've always been guilty of, of trying to do everybody else's jobs for them and forgetting about my own. So um, it's uh, it can go both, both ways, can't it? I think, I think it's one of those things, as you say, when you're a... a considered more of a leader in a dressing room and it's a derby game you're trying to g everybody else is up does it then uh, try because you're trying to focus on making sure that everyone else is up for it does it then have a negative impact on your mental state going into it do you think um i, I think it definitely can do and there are definitely there, you know there are plenty of games um in my career where i've um where I've, I've done exactly that i'm i'm kind of i'm a bit of a control freak and i i, I like to organize um, things and situations and try and control situations and, and I think um, when, you, when you're when you on that pitch as well things have got to be done quickly and you work through the week um, you know you put all your planning into in, in, uh, through the week and, and on a Saturday you've got to put it into action and sometimes things don't go the way you want them to go um, and you've got to be able to adapt and sometimes you've got to pull players certain, there are always certain players that don't listen to instructions they don't follow the you know the, the plan, um, so you've got to keep an eye on them. You need players on the pitch who are, who are going to, who are doing that, who are constantly pulling people in, keeping your team shape, and those little bits of organisation. I I think they go a long, long way, um, but sometimes it's it is to the detriment of of your own game. And there are times where I've, I've definitely suffered from probably trying to you know not having my own house in order um, first. But it's it's a tough balancing act. Has that yeah. something that's um, always been part of your game, or was that something that was uh, drilled into you from the time you were academy lad at uh, Stoke? Um, it's a good question, actually. I, 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 I'm not really sure. I'm not. I'm not really. I don't know whether it's something that I've. I've. I grew up um, on a council estate in in Wolverhampton, um, and we had a good upbringing. Um, and, and something I think my mom, uh, I, I, I've got a sister, um, and my, my mom, um, always encouraged us to, to speak our minds and always encouraged us to, to have an opinion. And, um, although she regrets it now, um, <laughs> as, as children, we were quite often, you know, we were able to debate with, with my mom, um, and, and my stepdad, we were encouraged to do so and have an opinion. And I think it's probably just gone on from there then you get into football and you realize that actually the majority of the lads in a, in a football club don't really want to speak a lot of them are quieter and you know they see something going wrong and they maybe won't they, maybe they don't have the confidence to to speak up about it or to go and speak to the manager and um i think i've just always been been comfortable you know whilst being respectful 
going and speaking to the manager and saying, look, this isn't working. And and sometimes as a, as a manager as well, you know, I'm not I'm not a manager, but um, when you're a, a manager can't be on the pitch, so there's only so much a, a manager can do. Once you've got once you cross that white line and the game's kicked off. Um, the manager's influence until half time is pretty limited, so you need characters on that on that pitch who are going to police, you know, what your laws, so to speak. I think that was one of the main reasons why, as and when you you came into the club, Carl, it was sort of what we expected from you. One of the things that I think was lacking in that dressing room was that sort of made clear to you by Phil Parkinson that that's why he wanted to bring you in. He needed another leader in there. Um, yeah, he did. Um, he, he said when I spoke to him um, before I came up um, that, look, we, we, we're struggling. Uh, I think we'd at the time, I think it was eight games, eight or nine games without a win. Yeah, so uh, something I've blocked from my memory at this point, Carl. Yeah, without a goal as yeah. well, which was even worse. It was, yeah, it was. A, it had been a tough start, hadn't it? And um, he just said, look, we're lacking, we lacking leaders. Um, and I know all about you and... and um, and what you can bring, and and I'd love to have you up here. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it, it was a, another challenge for me. I've, I've, I've had plenty of relegation battles in my um, in my career, so it wasn't something I was afraid of. And I think for me as well, at, at the age um, that that I was, I think I was was I thirty thirty four. I think, I think thirty four. Yeah. And and there are always there are big question marks over any thirty. I think thirty, thirty two, thirty three onwards as a footballer. Now, um, certainly, it's certainly more prevalent now than it was ten years ago. Uh, maybe you know, certainly going back even further than that. There were there used to be a lot of older pros, but now um, I think it's because of the, of the, there's no resale values. You hit thirty two, thirty three. You've got no resale value. Um, you've probably got your opinions, um, yourself, you're probably, you know, you're probably difficult to, you're not malleable. Um, and a lot of managers fear older players as well, maybe wanting to, to, to nick their jobs or, you know, uh, there's a lot of that goes on. So I think as an older player, it's really tough. And I, I, I didn't realise until I experienced it myself just how tough that was. But um, um, I wanted to come to Bolton um, when, when Phil offered me the chance. Um and, and and I'd actually say the season was probably, you know, us staying up. I, I, it was right up there for me. With I've, I've been promoted twice on the championship. Um, and I would argue that the, the achievement of us staying up was, was even even better in a way because we it just felt like when I first walked in and the situation we were in, it just, it seems like such an impossible task. And uh, I thought that, the, the, you know, that we, the, we fought so hard uh, to get back, and it was you know, and to do it in a, in the fashion that we did, um, it was it was a huge achievement for me, you know, for me personally, and in, in everything I achieved in my career, that was right up there. Did it sort of suit your personality as a footballer? Do you think that kind of backs to the wall um, situation was that another? Obviously, when you're without a club, I imagine when offers start coming in, you you want to sort of pick the best. I, I I can't imagine, for example, that you didn't necessarily have more offers than Bolton on the table, but given that that was a real challenge that suited your style. Is that one of the reasons why you thought it would really suit you? Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely. Um, I mean, Bolton's Bolton's got. A, a, I don't need to tell you guys. <laughs> Bolton's a big club with a big with a big history, and um, I, it, it was something. It was a, it was a challenge that I wanted to. I wanted to come and, and, and get in, be involved in and, and take on. And um, I spoke to, to to Phil over the phone a couple of times. 
um, and and definitely wanted to go up there straight away. And it, when you're in that situation as well, when you've got uh, when you're out of contract, I, I I'd never been I I I I think it's the first time I'd, I'd properly been out of contract since I was um, I don't know maybe 14 years old. So I'd, I'd been really, really fortunate, and I probably hadn't realised just how fortunate I was. But I was—I think I was 14 at Stoke, and I, I signed a five-year deal. Um, I consistently signed two, three, four-year deals. Um, so to get to that point um, where you where you're out of contract, you you kind of waiting for things. Things come up, and things did come up. Plenty of offers uh, did come in, and you kind of you know I I was maybe no, don't fancy that, don't fancy that, waiting for the right thing. Um, and in the end, it starts to get to get tough. Um, and when Phil called um, at the time he did, um, you know, I was really eager to get going. And I was conscious as well that I'd missed a pre-season. I didn't have a pre-season. So I was having to train by myself. I've always been fit. Um, so I knew that as time, if I left it any longer as well, it was going to be really difficult. So it, was, it suited both parties. Um, but I certainly wasn't afraid of the... Uh, of, of the battle, um, and I, as, as as you said, it's something that I, I relished. Mm. I think one of the things we remember about you coming in, Carl, and one of the things that was made quite a bigger thing in the media was the initiation song that you did. Um, have you always oh, been so God. musically inclined? It was a pretty good performance. Um, it was. Um, it, I, I got uh, when I was was I sixteen? I think for my sixteenth birthday, my my mom bought me uh, an acoustic guitar. Um, and um, I've just played. I just just self-taught. Uh, my my friend had one uh, when I was when I was younger, and I used to go to his and, and watch him play, and he, and he was brilliant, and, he, and that inspired me to um, to go and get one. So, luckily, my my mom got me one for my 16th birthday, and it just went from there. But uh, I've, I've never really progressed. I, I sort of taught myself a few bits, and I'm on YouTube every now and again, but uh, it never got much further than that. But uh, yeah, that was it, it. Was a do you know what? For any player, anyone, anyone who's ever had to do that, you you, you go in. It's almost enough to, to make you not want to go and sign for a club. Actually, that Is it really? itself, <laughs> I'm thinking, what, when should I call it a day? And, and that having that uh, in your mind, thinking wherever I go next, I'm going to have to do an initiation song in front of 30 lads, all with their, their cameras, their phones right in your front of your face. It's um, yeah, the pressure. Uh, I felt some pressure at times, but probably <laughs> none more so than then. Well, he performed it very, very well to my mind, wasn't it? Um, no Woman, No Cry by Bob Marley. That was it, yeah. No Woman, yeah, very, No Cry. Yeah, well done. That's certainly one that I wouldn't uh, expect most players to take on. I don't think it's necessarily up David Wheater Street, for example. Uh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, Wheater's. Um, yeah, he's he's nuts, isn't he? I'm sure. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure there are songs that he can't perform in some some shape or form. Yeah, no, some kind of fashion. <laughs> yeah. The, the reason why I mention it, Carl, of course, is because, as you say, it's quite a daunting prospect going into a new team, even at, at the age that you were. But what is always made of that side, whether there was you know, necessarily lacking in quality, perhaps that's an unfair thing to le level at the club, but there was always seemed to be a really, really good dressing room atmosphere in there. And I just think that initiation, the sort of coverage that it got and the way that you did quite helped you integrate in what was clearly quite a close-knit dressing room of players. Um, yeah, I'd say so. I think I think they are they are really good icebreakers. Um, and you you come into a club and and you know no one's above that that group of players wherever you've come from. You come in, everybody has to do them. And I think it's a good thing. That, you know, there are lots of things like that in football that that ground you and and sort of try and um, that allow you to integrate with the, with the, the group of lads. And um, that certainly, yeah, I'm sure it did help. But um, it was it was an interesting you know it was an interesting 
dressing room, walking into the dressing room. There were lots of things that it, it was a weird experience for me. Um, I've not the clubs I'd been at. I'd, I'd spent a, most of my my childhood at Stoke City. Um, I then spent probably the best years of my career at, at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Had four good years at, at Queens Park Rangers, and it was um, it was a real different. It was a different atmosphere. I've not I've not experienced a changing room like the Bolton one before. Um, it was there were good lads. There were really good lads, as you said. There were a lot of good lads there, um, but. But in terms of the, the mentality, there was a mentality that I just found, I, I found it tough to, to take, actually. And um, it, it was, there was almost like an acceptance of defeat. And really? that's, what I, that's what I found really tough um, uh, to, to maybe come to terms with. That, that It just seemed, you know, it was something that I've not seen. I, I didn't see that in the group I was with at QPR. It wasn't with us at Wolves. It wasn't with me. And it just, it was... Something that I I felt like you know lads look we we can't be accepting the situation we're in it's it just you know maybe I'm I'm sure that the lads won't thank me for for saying those things but that's what I felt um, walking into the to the dressing room yeah they were a good bunch but it's very much seemed to me like there was there was there was a big lack of winning mentality and that was in whether that was in training in matches you know you you've got to do it in training every day um, you've got to be competitive and you've got to be you know you. you at each other's throats, the odd fight is not is is something that's um, you know never too bad either. In in that kind of situation, you need you know you need passion. You need people who I'm not and I'm not saying that people didn't care because they clearly did care. They were just it, it almost felt like they were punching the lads. Felt like they were punching above their weight. Um, See, so I find that I'm fascinating, certainly... Carl. Genuinely find that fascinating because I always it always came across to the fans and the boys will correct me if I'm wrong here that the team seemed to be not necessarily performing well on the pitch but off the pitch you know there was always a kind of bubbly atmosphere because I, I remember and, I, and, and again I'm, I speak to the lads about this all the time uh, just in the aftermath of the Aston Villa game which was obviously your second one there and I think we played quite well and were quite unlucky to lose yeah. um, I, I was on a night out in Manchester and I saw the entire of the Bolton squad there but I say the entire of the Bolton squad you weren't there for example Adam Lafondre wasn't there and I think, whereas maybe that might help some teams to get out and sort of, you know, forget the problems on the pitch by doing something fun off it. Did it not seem odd to you that they were doing things like that when they hadn't won a game for 10, 11 matches? Um, yeah, maybe. maybe. I mean, well, it's difficult because, it is a, and I'm sure it's a difficult balancing act as well for, for the manager. You want the lads to have you want them to have that team spirit and you want them to be to, to get off the pitch it's re, it's hugely important um and the characters you bring in you you need the players to to get on um and you need to, them to be close and tight knit you need that and i'm not saying they weren't that because they were and, they, and there, there was a there was a decent team spirit but having a decent team spirit and having a, a team of of winners or a team with a winning mentality you know they're different they're different things and i think it maybe takes if you if the nucleus of your squad don't have that mentality, those on the periphery don't we are not going to have it either. You know, every dressing room I've been in is 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 eighty percent of the dressing room are are, are like sheep. Um, you've got the other maybe twenty percent are, are are the ones who who real really mould the dressing room. They're the ones who choose the direction, and the rest of the lads are, are, will follow. Um, and to me, it, it definitely felt like the nucleus of, of the squad just didn't quite have that mentality of 
we're going to dig deep here, you know, of, of what it took to win, in my opinion. So, Carl, just just to touch on that quickly and just to ask in terms of a leadership point of view, did you feel as if there was any other real leaders in that dressing room at all? Or did you feel as if, you know, you were almost going to have to ask to take the armband off someone at that stage? Because I'm, I'm not sure if you just felt sort of head and shoulders above them in that respect or whether there was anyone else that, that was perhaps a, a worthy contender for that. Um, I guess this is it's subjective, isn't it? And, it, and everyone's... Everybody's different. That's the other thing as well. Every every cap, you know, I'm I'm the kind of when I've been captain in the past, I, I've, I'm the kind of person I am. I'm I'm a shouter, and you know, I want to get things done, and and I'm, you know, there'll, there'll be players. I, I'm I'm happy to to ball and shout. I know I'm not necessarily saying that's the right way, but there's a there's a point at which you know we need to roll our sleeves up here, and if you're not going to do what you need to, if you're not going to stand in the position that you need to be where you need to be, I'm going to tell you, and if you're not there, I'm going to shout it. And if you're not there, and I'm going to grab you by the scruff of the neck. You know, that's the kind of that's how I've grown up, and that's yeah, no, how I would would deal with things. Uh, in terms of say Prattley, uh, Darren Prattley, he wasn't that. You know, that wasn't him as a character. Um, but he still he led by example. He was um, a, a real. I, I really enjoyed playing with uh, with Pratts. Um, and he was a great guy as well. So he was a different type of captain. And I've been in other dressing rooms where you know where you do where captains are like that. So Pratt was quieter. He would run through a brick wall. Um, you know, he would give every absolutely everything he had. Was he like me in terms of the organisation and stuff? No. Um, but would I say I had to rip? You know, I, I'm not, certainly not trying to say I needed to rip the armband off him because that's not that's not the case at, at all. Um, Pratt was was a good leader, and and everybody loved uh, loved him at the club. Um, but there were you need more you need more players than that. You need more you know you need more than one or two. You need five or six. Um, and I certainly felt. Um, and when I first um, for a while as well, Pratt was uh, was was out injured. But um, what I was going to say when I first came in, I just I, you know you get the sense straight away. Are, are people happy here? Usually, I've been in teams that are at the bottom of the league. And we are, you know, there's a there's a general way that you you maybe act, or you you know, you come into the changing room and you've almost got your tail between your legs because you because you are where you are. Um, I didn't feel that. I didn't sense that. It just it just felt like there was a big, you know, a, a, a big difference in the mentality that I'd been used to. Um, and it it certainly felt like I had to sort of be the bad guy and um, yeah, and and just try and try and change try and change that as much as I could and there yeah. were some great lads there people like you know sorry Pratt's uh, Craig Noon Craig Noon was another one Noonie was a he, he's a winner he had that bit between his teeth I could see that on a, on a daily basis um, and there, there were others um, a few others in there as well but um, but as I say you need the nucleus of the, of the, of the team of the squad to, no, to have that it, I think Phil Parkinson deserves yeah. credit though doesn't he he deserves credit for bringing you in, I think, given that he clearly recognised there was an issue there and assigned someone who was going to fill that gap. And I just wondered if you felt added pressure, given your signing sort of coincided with us upturning fortunes from a fan's perspective. It looks as though you made a huge difference and were signed to make that big difference. Did you feel any pressure to actually perform that role? Um, well, I didn't really, because when he, when he spoke to me and, he, and when he said, "What? Well, look, this is what we need. And I said, well, look, I'm, I'm not... Probably, I'm not going to go in and start doing these things because that's what you you require. I'll do. I'll be myself, and naturally, I'm I'm that kind of person anyway. So as a player, I'm always I'm you know I'd end up having there were plenty of times on on the training ground where I'd be probably arguing with five or six players all in one session, 
and <laughs> do you know, I'm the common denominator there. So um, I'm sure they'd, they'd, they'd think you're the problem, but I'd be looking at them and saying, no, 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 you're the problem. <laughs> you know, this, this, this results on the pitch speak for themselves, Carl. In that resist, in that example. Well, you, you know, there were, I, 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 there's no, I'm not. Uh, there's certainly no way I can take the credit for uh, for all of the credit anyway for the for the um, the U-turn. But we did we did it together, and, and there were some great. There's some really good lads in there. Um, there were just some, some. There were just you know some of the players. I think people like Sammy Amiobi, fantastic player, but you know you tell Sammy, you, you say something to Sammy, something negative. You know you hit him with a negative, and it, and you can see his head drop for for ten or fifteen minutes, and it's so you've got to. You, it's difficult. You've got to manage, and when you've got a lot, when you, if you've got quite a few players like that in the team. It's it makes it really difficult. So I mean, football's a tough. It's a tough industry, isn't it? You, you it's yeah. a results-based business. You go out there and and you, I, I've really noticed this as well since finishing the game. Um, I've got a business and um, I speak to to you know I meet lots of different companies and speak to people and, and it's just I've realised just how harsh the football environment is since since leaving. Um, even the way I, I I speak to my wife and my kids and and there's just certain things that. That maybe I expect, and it's from being in football so long. You, you know, you're on a football pitch, and you, you, the manager might shout onto you. He's got to shout an instruction, and it's, it's got to get it over to you quickly because he, he might have five seconds. Um, he might not even have five seconds, but he's got to get an instruction to the other side of the pitch quickly. And you know, there's a lot of effing and blinding, and there's a lot of you, you've got to you've got to be able to take criticism quickly. You've got to be able to take. Um, this is, I mean, this is the other thing as well that I maybe felt in, in terms of winning mentality. It's not just about. I want to win. I want to win. It's how how do you go about that? Um, you need to be able to take criticism from your teammates as long as they as long as they're telling you in the right way. If a player says to me, "Carl, come on, like you've just given two away," look look, come and try and find me. Play the ball forward. It's something I've always been guilty of playing keeping the ball, probably playing it too safe, um, not driving, you know, not playing enough forward passes. Something I've been guilty of at, at every club. It's it's ingrained in me for some reason. I want to win the ball and I want to keep it. Um, and there are times when I can go forward and I, and I don't. Um, so when, when, when if Gary Medine says, Carl, look forward, have a look forward, I say, yeah, no problems, Gaz, got it. And the next time I get the ball, I've got, I know that Gaz is going to shout at me again. He's going to shout, say, Carl, you know, he's going to give me some, some. He's going to give me, a, you know, a bit, a bit of abuse potentially if I don't look, try at least try and look for him. That's how you get. That's how that winning mentality comes from players around, players in the team. Saying to each other, "Look, look for me." Trying to, you know, trying to encourage players, but also digging players out and saying, "You know, Adam Armstrong, get get tuck in. We we're, we've got a goal kick. Arm, Adam Armstrong would often be, you know, would be high and wide, and maybe that's the way that they played before I got into the before I came. We'd have, we you know, we'd have a goal kick. I'm probably going into a lot of detail here. I don't know whether I, I no, this is no, no, please do. Honestly, it's yeah, fascinating. Sorry, please do. So we we there, there are little things like we um you you've got a goal kick. We would we would set up and we'd be we'd have two in the middle in the middle of the park we'd have a back four we'd kick in wide right we'd have a back four midfield two me and Pratt's in the middle um, and then we'd have four across the front so if we won that header if 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 we did win the first header great we're in a great position to go forward if we lost that header we'd bang in trouble and that's from that's from our goal kick and these these kind of things that you you can orchestrate that so you you can it, when when it's a dead ball situation. You as players have the ability, or as a team, you have the ability to, to control the outcome to, to some degree. And it's a, a simple game of, of, of probability. If you've got, if the ball's going to drop in an area of, let's say, 30 by 30 
um, a, a 30 by 30 square um, and you've got five players in there and the opposition have two players in there, it, it, the chances are that you're going to get onto that second ball. And there are a lot of these, you know, these situations happen in games all the time. And it, to the to the naked eye, you maybe don't see it. You just see, you and you know, you see the player, get, you see Sammy Obi get on the ball, beat three players and score a goal. And that's what's seen. But the work that's gone into Sammy getting that ball is Adam Armstrong coming in off that line and just coming 60 yards in and standing next to me. And whoever else, maybe it's Sammy as well, tucking in. So we, we've got a real tight shape about us. And when that ball drops, it's no coincidence that it drops to us because we've managed, we've, we've tightened up. You know, I worked under Tony Pulis for, for many years at Stoke City. He would work on this, this the defensive organisation. He would work on from a Monday, you know, you'd be walking through it on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday for the game on the Saturday. And within a few weeks, you knew exactly what you were doing. Every player knew exactly what they were doing defensively. And, you know, this is why Tony Pulis is a defensive genius, because he leaves no stone unturned in that organisation. Um, it felt like and, Phil Parkinson tried to do something similar, given the style that we ended up adopting um, in the Championship, certainly. After League One, we'd obviously had a solid defence, but that might have been just the level that the players were playing at. But certainly in League One, they seemed, sorry, in the Championship, there seemed to be an emphasis on being more compact, because you didn't necessarily feel we had the quality of defenders to be able to cope with Championship attackers. For you, did you see any similarities in the way that they worked? Um, I, I did, yeah, I did with with um, certainly with that, and, and I and I, I could see see that as well. And the lad, this is you know the lads were saying we, we we wouldn't we wouldn't concede these goals in League One, and you know we'd wipe the floor with these teams in League One, and and, it, and it's different now. And it's something that, that speaking to some of the defenders, they they definitely felt that. Um, Mark Beavers, I talked to him, and he'd say that you know we'd we'd, we'd 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 it would take three or four chances for somebody to score a goal in League One. In the Championship, they felt like someone had one chance, and it was hitting the back of the net. Um, and so being compact is crucial. But I, I think that no matter what the league, no matter what league you're in, I think if you if you're organised defensively, you've got a great chance. You know, if you can go and nick goals, um, you go and nick one goal, you win the game. If you've got to score three, four goals to win it every game, you're not. It's not going to happen. So I certainly felt when uh, from the time that I was at the club um, that that was Phil Parkinson did try and focus on that and try and make us um, tight. But it, it, it's it's a difficult job, and what he also liked to do. I mean, you can't. It's difficult to do both. It's difficult to be compact um, and also go and press high up the pitch. Phil Parkinson liked to press high up the pitch. I I love pressing high up the pitch. I, I think it's, it's it's you know. I think if you're asking people the question, um, I think certainly at the championship in the championship, um, you go into the Premier League. It's a different kettle of fish. But I think the championship down. I think if you go and press teams um, high up the pitch and ask them questions. You, you, you know, you've got every chance of nicking that ball back. If, and if they play through you, you sometimes you have to take your hat off and say, you know, well, we're putting them under ferocious pressure and they're, and they're playing out from the back. So it was, it was a mixture, we feel. He wanted us to press high up the pitch. Um, and I enjoyed that as well. I enjoyed playing with him, uh, playing that, the way, that under him and, and, and in that style. And, and you're right, defensively, sometimes we did struggle when we went, in, when we went and, and pressed higher up the pitch because our, our back four were maybe a little bit more exposed. Sounds a bit like a catch-22 to me, that he didn't re really have the players to be able to perform the two systems that he wanted to do. Um, yeah, you're probably right. In it. And it's, it's, it's a difficult one. You've got to work with what you have, um, haven't you? And, you know, he told me that on a number of occasions. And I, I, didn't, I probably didn't realise either the... I, well, I didn't. There's no doubt about it. I didn't realise how bad the situation was when I, when I came into the club either, um, mm. financially. 
I knew the club was in trouble. I didn't realise just how bad things were. I don't um, think anybody did, mate, <laughs> to be honest. I, yeah, well, yeah, that may well be the case. Um, but I, I, I certainly didn't, you know, he, he feels the manager was, you know, was saying, look, this is what we've got. This is what we've got to work with. Um, and we, we, we've got to dig ourselves out of it. Um, and, you know, credit to him and, and his team. I thought they were great as well. Uh Parky and and, um, and and Butts as well. They go, oh, the, the the whole team. I really enjoyed working under them, and I, I thought they were real, you know, great characters. And, and what a great job they did there. Yeah, you talk about being compact, quite uh, being sort of one of the things that he wanted to impose upon the team and being crucial to being solid defensively. One of the other things that I think we would be remiss not to talk to you about is the uh, sort of the dark arts of the game, which maybe rightly or wrongly is sort of leveled towards you as the kind of thing that you would tend to practice quite a lot when you're playing. But sort of 13 yellow cards in 33 games for us might not, not necessarily be, you know, similar to what happened throughout your career, but it certainly seems to be the kind of thing which helped us get over the line in some victories, being able to slow the game down, maybe take someone out on the halfway line before they make a break that's going to kill us. Do, do you think it's horrible to pigeonhole you in that way? No, not at all. I love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> That is exactly the answer I was hoping for, Carl. Thank you. That is Christmas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, I, 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 listen, that side of the game, the, the psychological side of the game, that psychological warfare, I, I just, I think it's, um, I love it. I think it's so important. Um, and, and I guess this is where, I guess maybe this is where I come back to the winning mentality. For me, I'll do anything to win. Um, you know, borderline, if I've got, I, I don't mind going into those murky grey areas either. Um, I think that's. I think you've got to do that. You've got to do, you know, without cheating. I'm not saying that you should go and cheat, but you go and do everything you can but cheat to win. And when there's so much riding on it as well, that's what you've got to do. And there was, there was. I remember there was an occasion when um, we we, were, we played. We were we were one nil up against um, who would it, who would who were we playing? We were one nil up against somebody at Bolton. Big. Game, we need, obviously, big win. We needed the needed the win, Sheffield and they Wednesday, had a, maybe. Oh, it could it could well have been? It could well have been. I don't. Anyway, I don't say because I'm not going to say name the player. But anyway, we had we had a <laughs> they had a late free kick, and I was in the wall with this player, and uh, so as standard, I'm I've you you brought up learning. Most most coaches, certainly going back, you know, the old school coaches. Whether they do it now, I don't know. But there's probably not so much emphasis on it now. But I was always taught when you're in a wall, you get in a wall. When a referee turns his back, you, you step forward a yard, and you keep or you keep going forward on your you know your tiptoes. And even if he sprayed your feet, it doesn't matter. Just just go, just move forward. The worst thing that it will happen, he'll, he'll tell you to move back. So we've got to, to me and this other player in this wall. This team have got the free kick, a wide free kick. So as standard, I'm there. I've, the referee's turned his back. I'm like, let's move forward. I'm moving the other player forward. He's yoinking me back, trying to pull me back. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I said, what are you doing? Let's move forward. To, you know, let's make that distance eight yards. That's an that gives us an advantage. It's a slight advantage, but it gives us a slight a, a, that slight advantage. This player didn't want to do it. I was saying, get what are you doing? I said, move forward. He said, he said, he said no. I said, uh, I don't want to get booked. I said, why not? Why, why don't you want to get booked? Why, why are you worried about being booked? You, you, I said, you're going to be suspended. You want four yellows? No, no, I just don't want to get booked. And, and this is the kind of mentality, this is what I'm talking about, where I don't care about getting booked. Let's win the game. Get booked and win the game. There, there are so many things that you can, you know, there are so many things that you can do to players to try and get on them and, and 
uh, you know, to, to put them off their game, to, to whatever, it, whatever it may take. There are so many things. Don't give them the ball back. Don't give them the ball back. Never give up. When someone's got a free kick, don't give them the ball back. Pick the ball up, walk back 20 yards with it. And, and then and just, just to annoy them, just, just so they, they get so annoyed that they'll then do something silly. And, um, you know, I, I was doing, um, I did a circuit in the garden with my wife um, last week. And, um, like, she's really good at the plank. So uh, she was doing the plank, um, and uh, I was doing it as well. Anyway, we'd done it for about a minute, roughly, and I was burning. Like, I was dying. So, um, And I, I looked over her, and I said – and I, I looked. She was really comfortable. So I said, um, I said, babe, you're, you're, how are you doing? And she looked up, but she didn't want to look up. But then she looked up. I said, how are you doing? She said, uh, yeah, fine. You? I said, yeah, cruising, absolutely cruising. So then as soon as I said that, within three seconds, she stopped. She gave, she gave up. And uh, and I just burst out laughing, and I stopped straight away. And uh, I, I was just trying to explain to her, this is the kind of thing you know I've got in your head. There, you've allowed me to get in your head and tell you that I'm cruising. Just because you think I'm cruising, <laughs> that means you you stopped. <laughs> and this these, this this kind of thing goes on in football. You know, all the, it goes on throughout the ninety minutes. And if you're good at it, you can, you know, you, you turn a lot of situations into a, into that slight advantage. And that's all it takes, isn't it? We're we're talking. Margins, such fine margins. All I can say, Carl, is your poor wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but no, no I, I think um, I also speak for her Bolton fans whenever we used to watch you playing for either QPR or Wolves, and we just absolutely hated you for doing those kind of things. When it was done for us, I loved every second of it. And it, it's exactly, it just sums up what football fans are like, isn't it? You know, we, we, we pick and choose which things are acceptable and which are, but I just remember. I think it was that Sheffield Wednesday game, and it, there was um, we were obviously we were two one up. Kieran Lee had just scored, and I was terrified that we were going to throw it away because obviously we hadn't won all season. And I think for maybe that last ten minutes, every time they got anywhere near the ball, you booted it away, or, or maybe tripped <laughs> someone up before they did anything. And it was just exactly what the team needed at that time. I, I don't, I don't think you could have cherry picked a player to sort of come in and make the, as you say, it's a marginal difference, but it is the difference that that side needed. Oh, thank you. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's nice to hear, and I, and I hope I, I did make a make a, a difference. But there were some really good players um, there in that, in that squad, and let me tell you as well. I, I'm, I'm sure for the majority of players, as a group, when you when you win a game of football, the games where you've gone and won three, four nil, they're good. They're, you know, that's a nice feeling. But the games we the games you've won two one or one nil away from home, where you, those battling wins where. You've had to, you've had your backs against the walls for for 70 minutes and you've held on and won and you know they're the games that you remember they're the games that you you come off thinking wow wow what a bunch what a group you know we've literally just gone to war there and yeah. we, Gary Medine's come off and he's got blood all over his eyebrow <laughs> you know it, that, those, those battling performances are the, are the ones that you you remember as, as a group and you come off and you look at each other and you think that's what we're about that, yeah. you know they're, they're the, they're, that's, that's, that's where you get yeah that. it's giving you more of a bigger sense of accomplishment because you're putting in that more efficient graft and all the work and the lack of hesitation you've put in has, fin- has finally come to fruition I'm guessing that's the kind of sense you're trying to get across there yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, it's, it's, we all want to win. We all want to win games comfortably and, and sit and watch pretty football. And we, sometimes that's not, it's not the way, you know, it's not possible. And when you see a group of players going out there and giving everything, digging deep and getting that result, it's such a great feeling. Um, yeah, it, it's huge. Yeah, I was going to ask so you about really, that, Carl, because people sort of talk about great goals throughout a season, um, you know, when they're thinking back of their most positive memories. As a player, do you have any memory of that season is more sort of like an unsung moment that really sticks out for you? Um, oh, there were, there were a few. There were, 
There were a few. I'll tell you what was um, I, I t- where I was really, really gutted uh, when we played Fulham away and we, we drew one all. Is it, was it one all? Was yeah, my, my mate broke his phone when Tom Kearney scored that goal. He threw it against the wall. It was that frustrating. We were, we had just, I just thought we'd just been brilliant. We took the game to them. Um, and we, I thought we played really well. And it was a game, it was a game, exactly that. They were getting frustrated. Uh, we were compact. We were defending. I thought we defended really well. And the goal at the end as well, it was just, if you saw it, um, I, I, mean, I mean, obviously, you, you, if, but from my angle, you could just see, I just saw player after player throwing themselves at the ball. It was it was almost it was naive. I mean, it was certainly wasn't a lack of effort. We didn't concede that goal because you know we we, 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 we people were lazy. I think everybody was just so desperate to not concede. You could there were three or four bodies, you know, three or four people that threw themselves at the ball, and by doing that, they left their men unmarked. Um, it was just a desperation, I think, that, that cost us that game. But um, it, it was a great point, and I just thought that it felt to me like such a a huge turning point in the mentality actually because we came off the pitch we drew one all and we were gutted we were gutted we were really you know we were, we were really annoyed with with one another and and I just thought to myself you know what that that's a turning point for me that's a difference that's a big difference in the in the mentality that I felt when I first joined um that we've we've come to Fulham and and we, we've we've drawn one all against a top team and we're the ones raging about it yeah, I couldn't um, understand that desperation because I think that was going to be our first away win of the season as well and that would have definitely provided such a huge psychological advantage in our survival campaign. Yeah, yeah, agreed. There were, there were many, many moments. Um, Sheffield United away. My favourite um, game of that season by a mile. Was it a huge, oh. huge win? Top top team. Top, I mean, look how they've done. Look how they've gone and done in the, in the Premier League. They're a top team and uh, I thought Phil really got one over... Um, on uh, on on Wilder there, I thought it was a, a, a tactically spot on. Um, we were we just we were, I thought we were we were brilliant. It was a real real good performance. Um, and I want to say as well, just um, I, I don't know how much time we got, but Gary Medine, um of, of all the, the players I've played, Gary Medine's one of the best strikers I've I've, I've played with. I loved playing with Gary Medine. Um and um, I just thought. I mean, this is where I kind of realised when I realised how bad the, the financial situation was. The fact that they sold... The, you, you, I've never known really a team in the, uh, who's bottom of the league sell their, their top goal scorer and their main focal point. I mean, our whole game was based around Gary Medine. Um, I think was, that was clear for everybody to see, wasn't it? He was, yeah, he was let's hit Gary Medine. that first half of the campaign, <laughs> especially because he was never really a goal scorer for us early and yet he bagged 10 by the end of that first half of the season. He was brilliant. I mean, even if he didn't score you any goals, he was brilliant. He, as a player, as a team, you know, to have someone like him in your team, he was unbelievable because he, you, you play balls, any ball you play around the corner, any ball you play in his direction, um, he he would chest, he'd bring balls down on, the, on his chest that defenders were trying to head and he was so strong. Um, I, I love playing with him. He was just a, a really brilliant, you know, brilliant player for us and I think had we have kept him for the, for the whole season. Um, you know, I think we, it would have been a much more comfortable, without doubt, it would have been a much more comfortable campaign. So fair play to you know for us. I think for us to have lost him and and still done the job. Um, you know, fair play to the lads who came in, um, Alfie and, um, um, and 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 Aaron Wilbraham. Um, I thought they you know they did did fantastically well. Mm. 
Speaking of <laughs> speaking of goals, Carl, um, you were never really a goal scorer in your career, but how did it feel to score against uh, Sunderland in that uh, campaign? Um, it was it was brilliant. Absolutely loved it. Um, and I thought, oh, get it. You know, this is this is early on here. I, I'm going to bag another. I can see myself bagging a, a few more. But, um... <laughs> it was just like goals. It, it was raining goals that game, wasn't it? Really. It was a hell of a finish, by the way. Credit where credit's due. Uh, I think it was a good. Really, we had a. We, we, it was a good counter attack, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Anthony Robinson, another real good find. Um, I thought he was. He, obviously, when you when you when you haven't got the money and you you've, you've got to be clever in the transfer market, I mean, you've got to be be able to to bring in some young good players. And I thought he was a brilliant player for us, um, Anthony Robinson. Just just so athletic, and and he you know he epitomised. Um, um, that that counter attack epitomised him, I think, as well. Just driving forward on that counter attack, and um, yeah, to get up there and, and slot it in, I was, I was probably as surprised as anybody. But um, I, I, again, that, I thought we were really unlucky that day. We did, we deserved, we shouldn't have lost. I thought we shouldn't have lost that lead um, to come in at three all. It felt it felt like a defeat, definitely. Um, I thought we were the better team, and we dominated them. And um, just yeah, there were a lot of games like that where we. Um, where we, we, we did we did concede that that whether it's the that goal that cost us all three points or that cost us two points um, there were a few of those I'm sure every every team has the, has the, the same doesn't they don't they throughout the season but um, yeah that was it was nice to score anyway and, and it was certainly a game that I, I felt we, we we should have won yeah one game I can think of where we didn't uh, end up conceding that goal that would have been so expected because it just seems to be a typical Bolton thing not just in that season but you know for the entire time I've been supporting the club is that Aston Villa match where sort of backs against the wall we managed to nick that goal in the snow and we held on to it brilliantly but what seemed to happen afterwards was sort of a bit of complacency set in did did you feel that at the time because afterwards we it was almost like we thought we'd guaranteed safety and then we couldn't win a bag of chips um, well, it's interesting you say that. I, 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 no, I, it wasn't complacency, and it may it may have looked that way. Um, it, it's it's funny how things it's funny how things work sometimes. When you know, I, I don't know how I don't know if anyone can explain why, but we all do things differently when we've got something to hold on to. Uh, when when you've got nothing to lose, you know, often often people in life, the most dangerous people are those who have nothing to lose. Why is that? Um, you know, we can, we can explain it's logical. They have nothing to lose. They may as well go for it. And the second you've got something to hold on to, um, the second you've got, you know, the second you're out of the woods, so to speak, it's, it's, things change and you don't want them to change. But it's, it's so difficult. It's so difficult to have that same mentality of let's, you know what, it doesn't, we've got nothing to lose. Let's go for it. Um, and, and we couldn't win those games. I remember um, we, when we played Burton away, Oh, yeah, I, I remember that, that was that, that was, that one, was of one of the worst those, games that, I've ever experienced. Oh, horrific. Yeah, horrific. It was one of the, I, I remember, you know, when I, was, when I was saying earlier about games where you pump yourself up, I was so, I, I don't think I've, I've been as pumped up for a game as that one, you know, or I can't remember being, it was, at the until, time. Until the next like, game. <laughs> until <laughs> the next game, yeah, I'm sure. Until the next one. But I was so, I, I thought, this is it. This We get this win, because we, we, were, we were safe, weren't we? I think we, 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 got a win there we won that game um i think we'd have been we'd have been safe wouldn't we yeah we'd have again, they were done, fellow yeah. relegation rivals, yeah. so. and we were pathetic we were we were awful and me personally i had a terrible game um cost us um the goal as well one of the goals was my fault my man ran off me and i just 
I just couldn't believe it. I was just, I think we, we came in, we were so flat after that game, just so flat. The fact that we had won that Villa game and then just not got ourselves over the line. Um, and, it, you know, it certainly wasn't for the lack of trying. Um, it just didn't happen for whatever reason. Um, but we were desperate. And, and, and I remember that game, you know, I was just, I remember before the game, I was, come on, this is it. And, you know, you, you, sometimes you, I, I don't know why it's inexplicable, isn't it? Why you can't perform some days, why some days you go out, you feel terrible beforehand. You might have had a, a rough night's sleep. You go out and you play tremendously well. And other times you prepare exactly, you pre- pre- prepare, you know, have the best preparation. Uh, you prepare well, you, you're, you're feeling good, you're feeling fit and you go out and you perform terribly. And, and that was one of those games. So, uh, I was, yeah, it was a dis- hugely disappointing from 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 uh, my point, and it just obviously put even more pressure on, on a huge amount of pressure. Yeah, I was about to the, say maybe you boys just felt like being dramatic because the next game you pulled off probably one of the greatest moments in Bolton Wanderers history. I don't know how you pick yourselves up for that, Carl. Genuinely, I thought Parky must have played a, a masterclass in motivation to get you up after that Burton defeat. Um. Yeah, he was, you know, he was just, he was cool and calm and... and I think uh, it was Carl that was doing the talking. I can imagine possibly, you yeah, no, taking over the, the dressing room, screaming at everyone. No, no, not at all. We were all flat. We were all really flat uh, after that, after the, the Burton game. And as I said myself, I, I felt like I'd had a really, you know, I'm really disappointed that my performance was poor. It cost us uh, uh, the goal, one of the goals. And um, it was, re- from my point, I was really, you know, huge, just gutted, gutted. And when, when you're staring relegation in the face, you know, it's a horrible, horrible situation. And it's, it's all well and good when you've got 30, 40 games to go. Um, but when you when you've got one game left. Yeah, and it, you know, yeah, and it wasn't really in our hands either because we had to have a couple of other results go our way as well. Exactly. Um, so we, I, th- I think... It felt like we'd just been just through about every emotion um, coming into that game, and uh, you know, fair play to everybody. I, on a personal note, I thought it's probably one of my best games of the season, which was which was great as well. Um, we, we had a, we played against a tough three in the middle. Um, they had a good three uh, players in the middle. I think Ben Watson, Colback, and um, Liam Bridcut, wasn't it? Bridcut, yeah, Bridcut. So that was a tough. He tried to break your leg in the first minute, Carl. Um, did he? What did I think he? so? Yeah, I, I remember there was, there was he got booked very very early on, and all the fans over that side of the pitch told me that he kicked out at you or something after a challenge. Yeah, no, I remember what? that from I watching the nine minute highlights that they read a bit ago. Yeah. Do you know what? And he said that I do remember something, but I, I got that a lot. I had a lot. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> too many to remember. <laughs> I used to get a lot of reactions after tackles. I, I'm not sure why, but um, yeah, it was just water off a duck's back. But uh, yeah, I don't, by all accounts, I think he's a good lad as well. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what happened, but um, but they. I, I just remember thinking, geez, they've got a good good midfield in there. We're going to have to be on it today. And to be fair to us, we were. I thought we dominated the middle of the park, um, and I thought everybody to a man. Um, you could just see we we, we 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 certainly didn't wilt. We may well have uh, wilted and, and disappointed at Burton, but um, you know I think we we put in a, a, a performance um, that was worthy um, of, of I think of the of the fans of, of what everybody deserved and um, of the occasion, um, and and we thoroughly deserved the win. I think, although it was, you know, it was, we we only just did it in, in dramatic fashion. I thought we thoroughly deserved it. Yeah, I was about. How to did say. you pick yourselves up after those after going two one down? I presume James, you're going to ask something similar. I don't understand it's how on earth exactly the team could the same get. Question. Yeah, I don't know how you can sort of pick yourselves up from the dead in that situation there because everyone else had given up. I think. 
But it was, um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't, they didn't deserve to go 2 1 up, did they? Oh, I know, it was two mistakes by us, really. I think it was, I think that's it. I think sometimes when you're not playing well and you can't see where a goal's coming from or you're, you can't, you know, know what you, your, your top players are not doing their thing. Um, you know, when, when your top players are having a bad time, then you, you start to think it's not going to happen for us today. Um, that wasn't one of those days. I, it felt like we were playing really well. Um, and I think you, you've got to be able to separate that, that as a player. And it, it's really tough to turn those occasions around when you are playing poorly as a team and when things aren't going for you. But when you're playing well and you're losing games, it's not that difficult to to keep going because you, you, you've got that belief already. Do you know what? We've got these. They were struggling until they got that second goal. Um, and I remember them. I remember them. They, they, you know, they were really struggling. Um, they were knackered. They were knackered um, even before they got the second, and and we were um, we had just been pushing and pushing and pushing, and um, you know, thank God we 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 managed to um, we managed to do it. And I think I, I think I had a hand in both of the uh, those last yeah. two the two the two goals as well. well that must be the best one. one, one. <laughs> yeah, it must be the best miss hit shot you've ever hit for uh, Alfie's goal, the first one. It was. It was even even that. I mean, that was that was just uncharacteristic of me. I think the ball came out. Did we have a corner or a, a free kick? And it came. I think, yeah. out to me. Yeah. And I, I remember Ben Watson was was just in front of me, and I know. I, and I thought to myself, usually here, I would bring this down and go backwards or square. I would just try and keep it, and we'll recycle it. And I thought I need to drive this. I need to drive forward here. And I remember chesting it. Drove past him, drove past, uh, past him, and got a shot off. And and you know, seeing what happens when you're positive, maybe as opposed to to being negative. So you, you probably do things as well when you're in those situations that you're uncomfortable with as well. You get out of your comfort zone, and you, you you have to. And that's the difference, I think. You know, having players who are willing to drive forward and do things, do what it takes to to, to get the win. And and um, it doesn't always come, but I thought we we fully deserved it. Can, can you sum up how you felt when that ball's glanced off your head over towards Lafondra into the far corner? Were you just sort of watching and praying for something to happen? Or did you sort of have a feeling that it might go that way? Um, I, I don't know. I just tried to win the flick on. I just tried to win the flick on and see what, what happened And I, when it went through to, to uh, Lafondra. Um, and it was just almost slow motion <laughs> from then. And, uh, and, and, and Albie, he had a few chances, didn't he, in the first half? He should have got oh, seven, Carl. Be nice. <laughs> yeah, he could, yeah he, he, he could have scored. But, he, but that, that's what I mean about when, you, when you're like, you know what, we're playing well here. He's getting, it's, as a striker, um, you, I've seen so many strikers who have had barren spells and, and played well but not scored. And, when, and, and that's my point about, you know, we had the confidence because Albi was kept getting those chances. And you, it's a bit cliche and you keep hearing people see it, say it. But when strikers are keep getting, they keep getting in those positions and they keep getting chances and they keep missing them. You know, it's only a matter of time before they hit the back of the net because, and, and his movement for that goal as well was brilliant, wasn't it? He lost the defender. As soon as the defender couldn't see him, he ran straight across the front of him. Got, it fully deserved that goal. And, and you know, what a hero. What, uh, what a lovely guy as well. One of, one of the things I always pick out from watching the end of that game, well, the two things, actually. Velios's overhead kick that every time I watch it, I still think is going to go in. And you, when the final whistle goes, when everyone around you is jumping up for joy, going mad, sort of hands on your knees, looking the most relieved man I've ever seen in my entire life. Did, did, did you feel, was, was relief your main emotion there? Was it joy? What, what was going through your head? Yeah, yeah, just relief. I think you 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 win something and uh, you, you're chuffed, you're delighted, yeah, and, and you don't lose something and, and you, you you're relieved, aren't you? <laughs> it's, it's winning and not losing, and, and by us not 
Yeah, by us avoiding relegation, it was you know it's almost like surviving a car crash. It's just you feel relief, huge relief, and I, I think um, as a player as well, you know, from week to week, you're under pressure, and and there's something again I've noticed since finishing that pressure that was on on your shoulders as a, as a player. You're always in game mode. You're always preparing for the next game, and even when you think you're switching off, you're never quite switching off because you're always got an eye on on Saturday's game, and you switch off. You know, you have a, a bit. Of, you probably have a few hours of enjoyment on a Saturday evening. Sunday, you're already preparing for the following Saturday, if not the Tuesday. So you just you're under pressure constantly. Um, and if you're at the when you if you if you're mid table, then it's you know it's maybe different. If you're at the bottom or you're at the top, when you're fighting for something, come that last few games of the season, the pressure is immense. Um, and that's what I was just really proud of the players um, for, 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 for not just getting the job done, but the, but for digging in. And, you know, we had every opportunity to wilt. Um, like you say, losing, losing those, uh, not, not getting a win after the, the Villa game um, and not, um, and, and losing obviously against Burton as well. You know, there's, we had every opportunity to, to throw the towel in, and we didn't. Um, and I just, I just felt to me, all of it felt like, you know, this is a million miles from what I, I remember when I walked in this group mm. and what we just did in that last game. It was a huge relief for the, you know, for everybody connected with the club, the fans. You, you know, you can see how much it means to everybody, and it, you, you just, you know, you're pleased for all connections. <laughs> was there the added? Um... Was, I don't know how phrased, was the added bonus of maybe a contract dangled in front of you in the week leading up to that? Did you think that you maybe well get a new deal if the club stayed up? Um, I did. I, I thought I, I thought I would get a new deal. Yeah, I did. I was really. Um, I have to say, I was gutted to, to not be offered a, a new deal there. Um, we were surprised. Uh, yeah. Uh, I felt like I felt like I'd had a good season. I hadn't done a pre-season. I'd, I'd come in. I think I was. I covered most distance in in 99% of the games I played. Even the first game I played, and with no preseason, I was top distance, and that's something I've always prided myself on: my fitness. And um, I felt like it probably. It, I mean, it finished me off really. I think. I think I could have gone on certainly, and maybe had another couple of seasons playing the game had I continued there to to to, to stop and go on and not have another preseason again. Um, I, I feel like it, it finished me off, but yeah, I was I was really gutted, and uh, I spoke to the manager, and he said, "Look, I want to keep you, and a couple of others that I want, I want to keep as well, and hopefully the chairman will back me, and we'll, we can get it done." And you know, it wasn't it wasn't to be. I think finances dictated that. You're certainly not on your own. I mean, you will have obviously had first hand given you with their teammates, but uh, Wilbraham was given the same assurances. I think Phil Morace was given the same assurances as well. I think that just sort of speaks volumes of the uh, the shit show that was about to follow in terms of the finances. Yeah, in a sense, you almost dodged a bullet in that regard. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, potentially, and it's, and it's such a shame. And I'm so glad to see that um, that that things are, are, are the club's in a better place now. I mean, obviously coronavirus has again dealt a, a blow hasn't it to to all clubs but um i mean what 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 uh, as well that what stood out for me as well what felt really strange was we, we on that day uh, that we that we stayed up that last game of the season i expected to see the chairman in the, in the dressing room every other club i've been at every other chairman i've worked for would would have been in that dressing room saying lads absolutely fantastic well done brilliant um and it just almost, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that's, why. That's strange because in the post-match celebration, you can, you can see Ken and his son down by near the tunnel. I'm a bit, a bit surprised that they didn't go in. 
they didn't come in at all. It was a, it's a disgrace, really, uh, and that's why I was I, I, I don't know when it when I, when I when I left. I just thought he's so it just yeah he, he was really poor. He, he was he was a poor. I mean, it's all we don't need to go over it, do we? But he was um, yeah yeah. But the fact that he didn't come into the changing room, I just thought spoke volumes about the the, the, the guy. We we you know we've gone out and given it every from a from from a position of we we've got no chance, which it was looking like a, a, on a on a number of occasions to to actually doing it. Um, staying up, it, it just showed such a lack of class, um, in my view. Yeah, but... me, myself, and I kind of person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I've done it. But um, anyway, but you know, there were so so many great people there. In, in my, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there, and um, some really good characters. A lot of people, you know, like it, like like so many football clubs, it's the heart of the community, isn't it? And and you ever see so many people. Andrew Dean, I don't know if is Andrew Dean still there. Yeah, he is. Yep. Um, what a, what a guy! What a you know! I was just I couldn't believe just how much he was doing, how much money he was raising, what he was paying for. He paid for half of the training ground with the money that he's raised, and all these people just doing a lot of this stuff off their own backs. Um, I, you know, you really as a player, you see that, and you certainly realise what what it means to the fans um, as well. So um, it was um, it, it was yeah, it was a fantastic season and. And, uh, yeah, one that I, I remember fondly. Oh, I'm pleased you have good memories of it, Carl. We certainly have good memories of you uh, playing in the side, despite how it ended. But, you know, we've been there, done that, and we can look back at it now with a reasonable degree of um, sort of... Well, it's nice to reminisce about, isn't it? I think um, all we've got left to do thus far, Carl, is to go to Will for the Twitter questions. I'm sorry if we've uh, <laughs> gone a little bit okay. over the time that you're willing to no, allow, no but uh, thank you very much for talking to us. Yeah, we'll try. Thanks for doing this, Carl. Uh, we'll, we'll no, no, pleasure. Filter out the ones that are a little bit silly, if any, <laughs> and touch on the ones that we haven't already already spoken about. Uh, so Owen Thomas has asked, uh, who was the biggest influence on your career? Um, the biggest influence on my career. Um, I've had a I've had a lot of influences on my career, but I would um, I, I would yeah, without doubt, my mom and my my stepdad. Um, both huge influences on me. Both, you know, both did did they broke their their necks to get me to training uh, when I was younger. We we didn't have a car. Um, you know, they they did what it took to get me to training two or three times a week. Um, and you probably you don't realise until you've got kids yourself actually that how much of a commitment that is. And um, yeah, I just I would never have been a footballer if it wasn't um, for them doing going above and beyond. Um, to get me there so my, my yeah my mom and my stepdad no, absolutely fantastic to hear uh, we've also got someone who's asking who have you played your best football for and which players did you enjoy playing alongside the most oh um oh difficult I'd, 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 I'd like to say, <laughs> I don't know I'd like to say that every every club I played for had, a, had some of my best football um, it, it's, it's strange isn't it because you, you mature you, you mature at, at, by the time you're 34 you come to the end and you've got that now so maybe the dark arts but your legs aren't what they were when you were 24 so um, I'd like to think every club had a bit of my a bit of my best um, in terms of players that I've, I've enjoyed playing with um, um, oh you mentioned Prattley, and you know, I don't know whether he was up there as a as a midfield partner of yours or. Yeah, Prattley was. In, I, I really I enjoyed playing with Prattley. I would I would have to say Gary Medine in terms of Bolton. Um, Gary Medine was 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 one of the best. Um, I, but I played with some some. I, fantastic... say, I think there was a 
there's a, a level of respect there, I think, with Gary, perhaps. You know, you're saying he, he'd often give you a bit, you know, if, if you couldn't find him or anything like that. And I think perhaps vice versa as well. It, it's great to hear that you actually had a good working relationship amongst it all. Yeah, he was a he was he was a good lad, but he, yeah, that's it. I think it's it's that willing to take criticism, and you know, if you if you if you want to take criticism the wrong way, it's just it's it's you're never going to progress, are you? And he 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 take he took it well and he gave it as well. So yeah, he, he was a, a really good player, guaranteed. Absolutely, uh, I would also like to think this is Forest, but I don't blame you if you don't choose it because I know you've obviously had some of the some of the fantastic highlights in your career. But someone's asking, what's the best game of football you've ever been involved in at any club? Um, well, I've, I've played. I've been involved in a lot of cracking games, um, a, a lot. But I would have to. There's one game that stands out for me in my career, um, and this was. I was at Wolves, and we played uh, Charlton. Um, it was. The, okay. I think it was maybe we were coming up to the last last month of the season, um, and we were seventh and eighth in the league. Um, and whoever won went into the top six, and um, we won three two. Um, this is going back to I think maybe about 2008, 2007, 2008 season, and um, we won three two. I scored the, the winner in the last minute. They 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 scored the equaliser. We were two one up. They made it two two in the ninety third minute, and I made it three um, two in the ninety um, fourth minute. It was um, so I think it was just a, one of those games. It was just a, yeah, of all the games yeah. I've played in my whole career, I'd say that was probably the highlight of my of my career. I'll accept that. I'll, I'll accept the, the, that. Sorry, the, uh, the sorry, one. guys. Not the forest <laughs> no, one. That's the forest don't one worry at all, Carl. I thought you were going to say the Derby QPR game. Um, Derby QPR game? What was Play that final? Oh, the... Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, if Actually, I can I remember it, you bloody well can. Oh can. my god! <laughs> I forget which one was that. that we, there was a game we beat them in the league as well, where we spanked them. Um, I think possibly three, three zip. But uh, yeah, of course, yeah, that was a, a. Anyway, there were so many, so yeah, so many huge games. Even the Sheffield United game. That Sheffield United game was massive, massive, and for all different reasons as well. You, you know, that, that's what I say. When you're at the bottom, you need those points just as much as you do when you when you're chasing something. It's a different, it's a different mentality. But you you need that win, and you know with the. the whether you're avoiding relegation or, or winning promotion, it's the same, a similar feeling. Um, so it's, um, they're all massive, massive moments. Fantastic. And last question. Uh, after you came in, uh, our season obviously changed quite dramatically. Uh, what, what specifically do you think changed in the team? I mean, I know you said that you, you could sort of sense a bit of a, a different mentality to perhaps what quite you were expecting. Uh, but was there anything that you think, you know, it was the turning point in that? Um, I, I just think just the, just the mentality. I think just I did everything I could to try and change the mentality. And, you know, maybe I'm doing some of the lads a disservice there. And I'm certainly not trying to tar everybody with the same brush. Um, it was just it felt very strange for me going into it. And I'm, and I'm sure that I think, you know, I spoke to a few of the lads as well who had been at, who, who had not long been there at the club for not long. And they had said, yeah, you, you, you kind of just get used to it. And there was even a bit of that, you know, a few lads will say, yeah, I thought the same when I came a few months back, but I'm used to it now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I thought I was determined to not be, I, I didn't want to get used to it. I'm not going to get used to that. I, I, no, no, I'm going to try and change it. And um, yeah, I think give, that's... Give him a kick up the ice. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was just my, my view to try and change. I mean, around the changing ground, around the, tra- the training ground, we, you know, we, you can imagine we, there, there, were, there were lots that, that was wrong around the tra- training ground. There were, you know, obviously you could, we didn't have the money, the, the kit, the kit, we, we'd, we'd go in to get some kit 
and a kit would be in a toilet, in a porter cabin toilet, what? up a mouldy wall. I forgot. You know, that, that's not even down to be... finance. That's just piss well, off organisation. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it was just there was just such a lack of, of, of finance, and you know, you, the fact that the kit men, had, uh, the, fa- the fact that the kit room was in a toilet. You know, what it's it's a tough it's a tough situation, isn't it? And you know, I pushed and pushed and, and we managed to get the kit room moved to a shed, which was a bit of an upgrade, which <laughs> shed sounds, sounds terrible, but yeah. the shed was better than the toilet. Um so there were just a lot of things. I, I felt like, you know, we don't have enough the club does clearly doesn't have the money, but we can make the best of what we've got. Let's let's be proud of what we've got, let's make the best of it. And let's crack on. Let's you know. Let's change that, that, that our, our mentality uh, uh, across the board. And I felt like I did make a difference um, there, and, and hopefully I did. Absolutely, yeah. We're so thankful that you did as well. And obviously, we really appreciate your uh, your willingness, you know, today to speak to us and, uh, and and your efforts, you know, at your time at Bolton as well. It's it's really appreciated, Carl. Thank you. No, I'll, I'll hand you back. My to pleasure. The... Before we before we go, I have to ask you, uh, Carl. You've been so, so brilliant, open with us, talking about the tactical side of the game and all the psychological influences. I'm very shocked that you're not in football, or is that something that you're planning for the future, either from a coaching or a management perspective? Because just from speaking, to you, in my opinion, I think you'd be brilliant at it. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I've, I've started my badges, so yeah, I'm. Um... I always felt as a player that I didn't want to go into to football. And actually, funnily enough, I think the Bolton experience really changed, has really changed my opinion on it. And I think before Bolton, I was adamant I didn't want to stay in football. Um, and I felt like the experience was just, it was such a, a, a different experience and one where, you know, as I'd said, because at the, at the, the other clubs I'd been at, maybe money wasn't an issue and, you know, we had everything we needed and we had lots of players and there were lots of players on big money and it was it was so different. At Bolton, that wasn't the case. And, you know, just seeing the way the manager was having to deal with what he had, this is what we've got. You've, we've got to work with it. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned, um, sorry, one of the, going back to one of the, you were the talking about, you said about, did Phil do a great job after the, the Burton game, picking everybody up? And, and I think that was the kind of thing that, that the manager did do really well he didn't lose players and and I just had such a lot of respect for him for not losing players and I think I you know I learned a lot about myself during that Bolton experience and you know as I said I'm 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 a shouter and I'm a baller and a shouter and sometimes it's 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 the right thing to do and sometimes it isn't and I think seeing seeing the fact that the manager wasn't doing that all the time um and, and not losing players it, it just made me think about things a little more anyway I learned a lot about myself at Bolton and and, and it made me realise that, you know what, if I was a manager, I'd probably lose. I would have lost this group. That's what I thought to myself. I thought if I was the manager at Bolton, I would have lost half of these players because I wouldn't accept half of the things he's accepting. But well, I, I, as and when you make a great success of yourself, Carl, then we'll uh, take all the credit for it. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, but, you know, maybe. Honestly, that, that definitely changed my, 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 my thoughts to actually, maybe I, I should go into it. I've gone into my badges anyway. And, and like I said, I, I wouldn't, Fair play to Phil for not losing those players. He understood. If we lose these players, we haven't got any more. You know, he'd say, we, we, we can't, I can't go and get 10 more players. You've got what you've got. And um, it's, um, anyway, I mean, fair play to, to Phil and, and other managers as well. It's not an easy, it's not an easy job. And the ones who are, who are really pulling up trees at the moment, they're, um, you know, they're, they're there to, we've all got to learn from them, haven't we? Soak it all up. 
Fantastic. Call before I um, sort of let you go, uh, because I know this has gone on quite some time. We keep on saying that it'll be the last thing, the last thing, the last thing, but this is genuinely it. No, no problem. Do you have a message for the Bolton fans who remember your time at the club so fondly? Um, yeah, just thank you for the thank you for the support. I always felt like I, I had, I personally um, had wonderful support from the fans, and and um, I also felt like like they they backed us hugely and. You know, in those those away games, um, when you can hear your your fans screaming and shouting and cheering you on, you know, it me it, it, it unless you're out there, unless you've, you've you've never been out there on the pitch and and can hear your own fans singing you and cheering you on, it's unfortunately you'll just never know what it means. But it's it's huge, it's absolutely huge. And you know, the home games where we needed to win and and we could sense the fans needed us to win, but they stayed with us. That last game of the season, they stayed. At no stage did they start turning on us. Um, you know, they were with us all the way, and it's a two-way street, isn't it? We've got to give them something to shout about, and and they've got to keep backing us when we when we're struggling. And um, I felt like we had that all the way. So just a big thank you from me. Thank you for the support in my time, and maybe our paths will will, will cross again. I think from all of us here, Carl, it's the exact same sentiments. Thank you very much for your service to the club and for doing this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure for us. No, my pleasure too. Thanks, guys. No worries. Um, just before we go, Carl, um, thank you very much for listening, everyone, to uh, Line of Vienna Street podcast episode 141 with special guest Carl Henry. Uh, we do a, a signature sign-off here, Carl, which I'm sure you'll be able to uh, know how to follow as and when I uh, do it with the other two. So if that's nothing left to say, everybody, it's time to say goodbye. So say goodbye, Will. Goodbye, Will. Say goodbye, James. Goodbye, James. Say goodbye, Carl. Goodbye, Carl. Perfect. And it's goodbye from me, Selavi. <laughs>